inside of an hour ahead of coverage of the Chiefs and Lions to open the NFL season tonight. It has all but been announced that Travis Kelsey is a no-go tonight for Kansas City. The tight end hyperextending his knee in practice on Tuesday. Timing is everything. And so it appears that Kelsey will be out tonight as the Chiefs and Lions get the season started in Kansas City. Our coverage coming up at 6. If you're looking for the Manhattan High game at Topeka High, that'll be over on B1047 tonight. Mitch handling the call in Topeka with coverage over there beginning at 6.30. Troy and Dave G with you for the game this afternoon, our final edition for the week as we get you set for what should be a fun Saturday. K-State welcoming in Troy on Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. Both of these teams coming into the matchup at 1-0 on the campaign. K-State, by the way, leads the all-time series 1-0. and And we're joined on the phone by Curry Sexton, the former K-State wide receiver. And Curry, let's get your assessment of week one, the Cats with the 45-0 win. There's so many little things that you can talk about from that game, but in the grand scheme of things, the W's the W. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think going into game one, you really you really don't know what to expect. And I, I touched on this last week, but, you know, you, you spend eight months preparing for that moment. And, and it's not always easy to get off to a fast start, but that's exactly what the team did Saturday night. Um, the defense controlled the tempo from the first snap, and, and the offense you know, made big plays all night long. Uh, so really good to see them just go out and take care of business like we hoped they would. And then ultimately, you know, I think my biggest takeaway from Saturday night was just that we have a, we have a really solid team and we have some really exciting young players. Uh, I can't recall a time since I've been following the cast. We had we had that many freshmen, you know, true freshmen get to play in the opener and really make a noticeable impact. And so really excited for what some of those young guys can bring to the table. In many ways, that was a perfect game to set up the rest of the schedule. You build on that ball game. Now you look at taking on a Sun Belt team this Saturday, and it and it's just a matter of and with those freshmen especially getting them some game action and gaining them some confidence ahead of what's in front of them. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, these guys haven't played. Obviously, haven't played at this level. They haven't played with this, you know, with this level of speed and size and physicality. Um, they're, they're they're obviously here for a reason because they had a high level of success in in their respective high school program. But now it's a different ball game. Um, and so, seeing some of those uh, those guys get out there and have some early success is, is the exact type of, of of confidence instiller that you really that you really hope for. Um, you know, seeing guys like Chitty Obiazor. Um, and Austin Romaine and Asa Newsom and Jack Fabris and Jace Brown and, and Trace Spivey, a lot of those those core young guys, and Avery Johnson as well, seeing them get out there and really have some success in the opener, I think helps them, you know, feel more, you know, feel more confidently, more quickly that hey, I belong at this level and I can play right now. And so then when they get out there at a bigger game this weekend, um, they're going to feel prepared to make an impact. And so absolutely, there's a lot to build from, lot to build off of from last weekend's game. What do you remember from your first time on the field at K-State? <laughs> Man, um, well, my first time on the field was a uh, playing an FCS opponent, and, and it was not a blowout. Um, we, uh, you know, you might recall playing Eastern Kentucky in 2011, and we snuck out, of, snuck out of there with a win. And so I, 
I only played on special teams that night, but when I did get out there, I, I pretty much just blacked out. Um, it felt like things were just spinning in circles around me, and, and honestly, yeah, that's about all I remember. I did. I certainly didn't feel like I belonged out there, you know, in, the, in that in those first couple of snaps. That's the thing that stands out to me the most about what we saw out of Avery Johnson in the game. We talk about the speed and the fact that it comes at you so quickly. It didn't come at him quickly. It was as if he was just playing the game that he's been playing at the high school level. Yeah, and you're right. That was the most impressive thing to me. Obviously, you know, he came in in January, so he's had some time to develop and to, you know, to become familiar with the system. But quarterback is, is undoubtedly the hardest position on the football field because Avery has to know exactly what he's doing, what the offensive line is doing, the protections or with their run blocking schemes. He has to know what the receivers and, and running backs and tight ends are doing on every single play. And so because of that, you know, the, the speed of the players on the field might not be a big deal, but the speed of processing all that, all that information between snaps, pre-snap, during snap, uh, or during the play, is it, that, that is a lot for a young guy to manage. And he went out there and he looked like a poised veteran. I mean, the way that he commanded the offense when he was out there and the way that he exuded a lot of patience when he was running the ball, throwing the ball, et cetera, was incredibly impressive. Um, you think about, you know, his touchdown run, and, and, you know, most young guys would run right into the blockers or right into the, the defenders, and he patiently, you know, thought, you know, surveyed what was happening before making a couple cuts and scoring a touchdown. And, and similar, similarly, when he was, you know, when he was dropping back to pass, you know, he did a great job of surveying the field, going through his progressions, and then when pressure came, bailing out of the pocket and making throws on the run. So just really, really impressed with him. And, and you know, I guess at this point we probably need to stop being impressed with everything he does because he's, he, you know, he's a di- he's a different. I mean, he's, 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 he's unlike anything that we've probably ever seen at K-State. Um, and, and so we probably need to just get, you know, probably need to just get accustomed to him doing things that we, you know, that we're not accustomed to. Something that we have chatted about here is the fact that you have the opportunity, if you want to use it, to utilize a redshirt, allow him to four, play four games, but redshirt him, and you still have Jake Rubley who could step in as that number two, but performances like what we saw on Saturday make that an even tougher call to make. Absolutely, and I and I said this earlier in the week to somebody, but I, I certainly do not envy the decision that Coach Klein and, and Coach Kleiman have to make in that respect. You know, I, I am by no means a fan of a two-quarterback system. I, I, I was a part of, of uh, you know, a pretty divisive two-quarterback system back in 2013, um, and, and the fact of that of that battle throughout most of the year probably inhibited our success as much as anything. And so by no means would I ever vouch for a two-quarterback system, but at the end of the day, if Avery Johnson can help us win football games in, in, in small packages, whatever it may be, then you have to put him on the field. Now, in an ideal in an ideal world, you you know you 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 don't need to play him. I mean, you play him in four games. You let him get his feet wet, and you keep that extra year. And 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 Will Howard has a heck of a year, like we all hope he will, and and manages to stay healthy. And there's no real need for Avery Johnson. But um, the coaches have a really tough decision to make because based on what Avery showed Saturday night, there's no question that he's that he's you know he is ready to produce at the at the at the highest level. You brought up 
a great point about the 2013 season. And as a player, I want to get your view on it because as someone who has been in the announcer's seat and has been as an analyst at other times, we complain about two quarterback systems and we talk about how it takes away the flow. As a player working with a two quarterback system, what does that do to trying to get yourself prepared for a game in game out situation? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, there's an old saying that, that, that I really, you know, I'm a fan of that is if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Right. I mean, you don't have any. And so, and I truly believe that. And, and obviously, you know, Jake Waters is one of my best friends and I, Daniel Sams, I love, I love that kid and, and um, stay in touch with him still to this day. But they were, their, 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 their contrast in styles was so stark that, that, we had to change everything based on which one of those guys was coming into the huddle and lining up behind center. And it, and it just, it changed so drastically week to week. I mean, I remember we go down to Texas early in 2013 for our first game and we end up losing, but Jake, you know, Jake waters aside from a butt fumble has a, has a heck of a game through for three or 400 yards. The next week we go to Oklahoma state without Tyler and then without Tremaine and after, like, one series, they bench Jake for the entire game. And, and even though we're behind playing catch-up, we, we go with the running quarterback. And so it was just, I mean, it, it, was, it, it was not easy to get into a rhythm um, because they were, there was a constant jockeying of those two quarterbacks that had such contrasting styles. And then you saw as the year went on, and Jake had, you know, started to develop a rhythm and find more success, especially with his group of receivers, that's when our team started to click, and we went on a little run to make a bowl game to go eight and five. Um, now, now Will and Avery don't have a, a the, the, the stark contrast in styles that Daniel and Jake did. Daniel was a clear run first quarterback. Jake was a clear pass first quarterback. You know, Will is probably more of a pocket passer and less of a of a dynamic runner than Avery. But both of those guys are very skilled throwers of the football, and so I don't think you would have this. The, the, the significant change from one guy to the next, and so it may be a, it may pose a little bit different set of circumstances. But at the end of the day, Will Howard led us to a Big Twelve championship last year. Um, really had an impressive end to last season, and, and had an impressive opener last week. And so I think, as much as Avery Johnson is the new fun toy, uh, the new fun vehicle in the shed, we got to you know I think we got to ride with the guy who's 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 been there and done that, who's led us to high levels of success, knowing that when, whenever Will decides to part, you know, to, to depart K-State, we got a guy waiting in the wings who's going to be an incredible football player. Yeah, and I'm not trying to supplant Will as the uh, starter with Avery one bit uh, at this point, but it your point about uh, the fact that it is tough from a standpoint of getting into a flow, that happens in practice too because you're splitting reps with guys as opposed to being able to give number one reps to a singular quarterback if you're not careful. Absolutely, and I, and I will say that, I mean, you know, my, my expectation, and I don't know how Coach Kleiman handles it, but my expectation is that, is that Will is getting almost every single snap with the starting offense. And so, so those guys, the offensive linemen, Ben Sennett, your top three to five wide receivers are getting almost the bulk of their weekly snaps with, with Will. And then they're, you know, probably taking some with Jake and Avery as well. So I think that, that, that this is, you know, this is a different set of circumstances. But yeah, the minute you start playing around with a two quarterback system, 
you know, it, 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 I, I think in some ways it can impede the progress of your offense. Um, you know, you can tell that Will obviously has a strong rapport with, with Ben Sennett. He looks like, based on last week, that he has a strong rapport with R.J. Garcia. We've seen the success that he and Phil Brooks have had, you know, playing, you know, throw, throwing and catching, you know, between one another. And we hope that there's a, there's that level of connection between Will and, and, and Keegan. So, again, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting that we have Avery. It's exciting that he showed what he did last Saturday. But uh, my, my hope would be that we don't get into a situation where there's an actual legitimate conversation about who's the guy, um, because I think that would, that would you know, maybe in, in, impede our, our, our progress this year. And it showed also, by the way, that Will has a rapport with Hayden Gillum. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that, that quarterback center, uh, that quarterback center relationship is, is, uh, as intimate as one, as, as one may be on the football field. And so, uh, it, it, it was. Uh, it's good to see those guys having a little fun out there on Saturday. I don't know that coaches is appreciative of it, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it seems it seems like Coach Kleiman is. Uh, he's not opposed to letting his guys kind of toe that line of, you know, am I celebrating the right amount or am I going to get a flag? I mean, you saw a couple times Saturday. You know, I, I can picture Uso doing his sack dance. And yes. Right as he was finishing up, the white hat was sprinting over toward him. Um, you know, getting ready to getting, you know, probably telling him, hey, get out of here, get out of here. And, and, and I, I saw that in a couple instances. And so I hope the guys continue to carefully toe that line. I'm all about having as much fun as possible in football, but, but, but not at the expense of, of, of fit, giving up 15 yards. This week, it's the Troy Trojans, and in looking back at last year, we've talked at length about Tulane being a stumbling block for the Cats last season after the good start. You get Troy a little bit earlier than what you did uh, with Tulane last year, but they are from a much different cut than what Tulane is in terms of how they play the game. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think Tulane Tulane had an incredible defense last year, and 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 that I mean that doesn't appear to be the case with Troy. I think they do have a, a good defense, but obviously gave up thirty points last week to Stephen F. Austin, um, and 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 you know in in that same fold, you, you know Tulane is a, is a team that went to the Cotton Bowl and beat USC. Had an incredibly impressive year. Um, Troy had a really good year last year. Won a lot of close ball games. Um, and, and, you know, managed to have some success. But I, I don't think it's, it's necessarily apples to apples with Tulane and Troy. They are a good football team. They are going to be a much better football team than the team we played last week. But I think if, if our guys come out and, 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 you know, play it the way they're supposed to and take care of the ball, um, you know, limit mistakes, I, I, I'm not, not as concerned about this one as I, as I was the Tulane game last year. We're a different football team. Um, you know, I think if, if – the team that we the team that we feel that it, it in Arlington last December had we played T, it, had that been the same team that played TCU early in the year I don't think it would have been a relatively close ball game um, you know I think that that team really improved and I think a lot of that was in part because of Will Howard over the course of the year and so I think you know this I think the guys are going to take this game seriously because of what happened last year against Tulane but they come out and perform like they're supposed to and like they're capable of. Um, I don't think that the same result will, 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 be a, will be a possibility. Curry, have a good week. Look forward to talking with you next week as we get to preview Mizzou.
Thank you. I appreciate it. Talk to you guys next week. Curry Sexton, former Cats wideout, joining us again here on The Game, as he does every Thursday at about 5.10 to chat about the upcoming week's contest. When we continue, speaking of Mizzou... <laughs> oh boy. Uh, Dave G's kind of down the rabbit hole looking at some of what the conversation has turned into. Uh, X remains the hell platform. Oh. It really is. That when we continue on the game. The game, story time, in a moment. Travis Kelsey is officially out for tonight. For the Chiefs, as they match up tonight with the Lions to begin the season, we've got that coverage coming up at 6 here on K-Man Kickoff, slated for 720. Wasn't it, wasn't it last season, the opening game was the Chiefs-Chargers and... It was a super close game, and then there was the throw to Travis Kelsey in the end, an OT, and he ran just by everybody to score the game winner. Yes. Believe that that is correct. Boy, hope they don't need somebody in <laughs> OT tonight. Friend of the program, Ed Werder, reporting uh, ah. that the uh, Chiefs have in his place Noah Gray, Blake Bell, and Matt Bushman. You heard Mitch Mentioned yesterday that Bushman had been brought up off the practice squad for tonight as an insurance policy, and that would be why. Seven wideouts are on the roster tonight. Uh, that is a first in Kansas City for Andy Reid, according to Mr. Werder. Wow. So uh, Deion Sanders' best friend, Ed Werder, on the report. You know, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have that conversation with Ed at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Heard him talking with Dan Patrick about that yeah. earlier in the week, but uh, I, I'm going to have to have that conversation with Ed about that because... Found that really interesting. For crying out loud, of all people that you're going at, here's the thing, though. You know, and it's appropriate that you took that angle. Because it gets into that argument about sports writers, sports casters, and how they cover their teams, and how much are they supposed to be tied into the storylines that the program wants versus what the actual facts and storylines are. Mm -hmm. And that means the ability to be critical when you need to be critical, rather than always waving the pom-poms. Some people expect that you are always wearing, uh, waving the pom-poms. Some people, I'm shaking my head at Mizzou fan right now. Some people just don't seem to understand in general about how any of this works. Mm -hmm. um, so for those who didn't see, yesterday, it really wasn't a smart tweet on the part of Mizzou football, mentioning that they have sold out next week's game with the Cats. They said it this way. Next week's game versus K-State is officially sold out thanks to the best fans in the country. Like you wouldn't expect K-State fans to jump all over that in a heartbeat. Yeah. 
Some of us in the media had a little fun with that because, let's be perfectly honest, we are sarcastic SOBs at times. <laughs> what? No. You, did, you, you didn't know that about us? And this is this is number 8,000 for somebody that runs a Mazoo's social media account. Just stepping right in it, man. Tee it up for you, why don't you? Pretty much. Come on. Pretty much. Come on. So, Go Power Cats, Tim Fitzgerald made the comment, Big 12 football, it just sells more, <laughs> in retweeting it. And a guy came at him, pulling up a tweet of mine from last year. I told you, I got drug kicking and screaming into this. <laughs> there was a claim by one of the Mizzou reporters that there had been cheering in the press box during the K-State-Mizzou game last year. Fitz and I and D.Y. were very quick to point out that that was not the case. Mm-hmm. Or as I put it in my tweet, which got screenshotted and brought back into the conversation today, things that didn't happen for 1,000, Alex. <laughs> as I've been known to do over the years, I kind of tend to like that phrase. Yes. Speaking of Jeopardy as we were in hour one. And this tweeter came at Tim. And the conversation started from there. As Fitz pointed out, I'll be glad to discuss this in the press box next Saturday with you. No, cheering didn't happen in the press box anywhere near myself or, and then he tweeted my name. This tweeter then came back with a series of tweets that really have to do with just general sarcasm. Screenshots all of them. Just general sarcasm on the part of those of us in the media. Why? You don't think we make fun of us? I mean, come on. You hear us on this show. And I pointed out not a single one of those tweets that they sent out, the screenshot of, well, that's not cheering in the press box. That's just being sarcastic on the hell app. I'm allowed to, you're allowed to do those things. From there, it denigrated to where I was called a fanboy, a bot. (laughs) Um, I had one guy literally follow me and then start to essentially stalk me with an entirely different post. And I'm like, brother, I don't got time for you. man, you're weird. Well, on top of it, he wasn't even a very particularly good troll. Not normally are they really. No, no. But I hear what you're saying. You know, as as I put it to him, nah, you're littering my timeline. I'm just trying to clean up behind the poorly trained pet you are. (laughs) Troy, if there's anything that I I have learned over the last couple of years, you want the smoke. (laughs) If somebody's coming at you, you don't just block Uh, and just keep going. I I never intended it to be that way. Right, right. But you're right. I'm not going to be a... I, I I don't give I don't give a quarter if I can help it. Right. And so someone else comes into this 
Seems unprofessional that a journalist is arguing with a burner account because you didn't get into the best J school. Should have started. Weird. And and I'm like, who brought up the overrated J school? What is going on? Where did that come from? The thing, it just, Twitter, man, or X, like you said, it's just, it's the hell app, man. It is, it's too much most of the time. 99% of the time, it's too much. The thing is, is that those of us tied to K-State, we're, we're having fun. Right. Yes, you're tweaking a bit at Mizzou because it's Mizzou. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on it. I mean, come yeah. on. And that's the thing. like um, in the press box, like if it was K-State playing Nebraska again. Or K-State in a few years playing Texas and beating them. First and foremost, I still say those three people, you, Fitz, D.Y., I still don't see any cheering going on. I really don't think there'd be any cheering going on. But if I were to pick a cut, those would be the teams. Not Mizzou. Even when Mizzou was in the Big 8 and Big 12, it wasn't that big of a deal. They They weren't like... A huge rival. They were geographically like, yeah, we don't like them because they're they're in the north as well. But they want to pay more attention to KU for sure and let them. Like to be cheer, like cheering, like oh yes, like no, we expected to beat you last year. Everyone thought we're gonna roll these guys. Now that's not to say that there aren't conversations, that there's laughter, that there are. Moments where exclamations take place because of something you see. Right. Avery Johnson got a couple of those the other evening. The stop on a dime play just uh, when he scored the touchdown was a prime one. Right. Because, you know, everybody is like, wow. Right. In the moment. Even the SEMO guy probably was like, wow. (laughs) That's not cheering. Right. That's just making an exclamation in the moment. Yeah. And, but for anyone from Mizzou to be trying to paint this as cheering in the press box, and they've held on to it yeah, for were, a year. Yeah. For a year. Angry. Angry. I, I, I was shocked just as someone from the outside going through some of those replies. I'm like, these guys are, are big mad. Yes. They're big mad. Yes. They're not happy at all that K-State essentially sold out their stadium for them. They don't like having that pointed out. No, and then the whole, like, cheering in the press box thing, they have really, like, they're not letting that one, they're, that's believed. Hook, line, and sinker, and they're like, you can't move me off of that. Even people that were in the press box, like, these other people weren't there. There were Mizzou folks that had, that backed up. (laughs) That's, saying that, no, it didn't happen. And they're like, nope, nope, my buddy on X said so. Crazy. Jeez. And I'm glad you got dragged into it. So, oh, shit, thank you. <laughs> well, we got yeah. some stuff out of it. Uh, okay, <laughs> that, you know, if I the day that I get to insult a Mizzou fan by the fact that he got his ass kicked by Vandy fan, you know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> just some people just... Can't take a, a little humor no, or sarcasm. No. And then if so, they, then Twitter is the wrong spot for them to be. For sure.
All right. When we continue, we hit you with a a song that Mitch would probably be shaking his head at when I picked it. That on the game. I never thought I'd spend time on that. Um, <laughs> wow, I'm I'm kind of shook. I'm down bad right now. Uh, I, I told you Mitch would be having a heyday with woo. that one. Who's your favorite Peanuts character? It has to be Charlie Brown because there's way too much of me in Charlie Brown. <laughs> right down to the baldness. Franklin. Franklin! Um... I like Linus. Um, my wife, when she was a little kid, pulled the Lucy trick with a football on her dad. Ouch. And he he went like airborne and landed oh. right on his dad. <laughs> I go, that can't be real. And he confirmed it. It actually happened. I was like, that's a that's a the low blow. You are doomed to problems <laughs> when your two girls begin to grow oh, up. No, I know. I go, you pull that. Don't you dare. I'm Thunderleg out here. I'm trying to <laughs> kick the game-winning field goal. Um, is there anything that is, de- like, four kids that you, like, you like, you're into? Um, I, my answer is Bluey. It's a pretty good kid show. Uh, it's, I mean, for the little kids, but it's great. It's a great show. Really well drawn. I am so far removed from <laughs> any of that that, that I... It's a bad question for me. What about stuff like Legos? Are you in the Lego? I am not. Um, little brother and the now computer engineering student uh, were. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I was as a kid, but not to the point that I've carried that over at all. No. See, sports is where most of my attention goes on that yeah. at, at this point. So, Are we talking anything like new stuff? Yeah, or whatever just, you yeah. want. Yeah, whatever. whatever. I mean, I don't. I mean, I have a niece and nephew, and so they watch certain stuff. But it's not anything interesting. They like watching YouTube. Yeah. Like yeah. YouTubers, like yeah. like little kids like playing with stuff. And I'm like, I don't get it, but you know, cool. That's one of those things, man. It sneaks up on you in little little things like that, right. where you're like, I don't get this. There's gonna be something else in a few years you don't get, and then <laughs> by the time you're 40, you don't get any of it. It was funny when we were living out west and little friend of ours would just get hooked on watching YouTube videos on craft things to do with glue guns. <laughs> and so the next time that I would log into YouTube, oh, the right. the algorithm had me totally screwed up. Yeah, I wish that there was a little chat box you could type in. It's like, this is not, this is not me. And of <laughs> course, if we were babysitting her, it you know, she was all over watching those because she didn't get to watch YouTube at home. Oh, and she was like, yes. And she yes. was looking for projects to work on with Aunt Monica. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have stayed at Joy's house. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Okay, YouTube it up, I guess. And, you know, now she's nearing 16 and probably wants nothing to do with us. But you know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Glue gun, remember? <laughs> That's awesome. Scooby-Doo's still the goat. I, I always, always trying to show the kids scooby-doo stuff Ooh, and the kids Whenever these days are like whatever they, they like it they like Scooby-Doo. oh they do mm-hmm. good good mm-hmm. They, I, there's always a new scooby-doo show that's right, being made right. so i try to really get into like my my big little loves bubble guppies okay and i try and i, I just like god <laughs> Kill me now. This is terrible. You own how many TVs in the house? <laughs> yeah, I wish. I wish. <laughs> I wish I could go. Go ahead. 
Stay here. Uh, sit right here. <laughs> that is that is a statement that just does not work in my house. <laughs> I thought I'd try to be helpful, yeah, dude, but you know. I've thought of the same thing. <laughs> no, no sitting still in the G household. That's uh, sure. So in other words, they are your kids. <laughs> Chiefs football on the way again. It's Manhattan High over on B1047 tonight. They kick at 7.